Our series is Ancient Wisdom, New Reality, which is a brilliant series. And when James and Tim said to me, right, Chris, you are now in charge of deep spirit. I can't even say, let alone do it. You are now in charge of deep spirituality. I went home and I said to Karen, my wife, the lady that did the reading, I said, James, James and Tim have put me in charge of deep spirituality. And she looked at me and paused and said, yeah, but they don't really know you yet, do they? <laughs> I am joking, of course. I'm joking. Okay, so that piece of scripture is just so deep and rich and wonderful. And there have been many, 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 many hundreds of songs written about love. And in a minute, we have a, a very deep and spiritual video. Uh, but the songs that have been written about love, in the 60s, the Beatles sang, all you need is love. Foreigner, they sang, I want to know what love is. And in the 80s, there was a guy called Howard Jones, who was kind of like 80s synth pop, spiky hair, and he sang, what is love? But however, let's check, it, let's check out this video about the subject of love. What the world needs now is love, sweet love. It's the only thing that there's just too little of. What the world needs now is love, sweet love. No, not just for some, but for everyone. Lord, we don't need another mountain. There are mountains and hillsides enough to climb. There are oceans and rivers enough to cross, enough to last till the end of time. What the world needs now is love, sweet love. It's the only thing. <laughs> exactly. Although that's a frivolous song from the 60s, you can tell from the lady's haircut, it's got to be from the 60s, hasn't it? You know, although that's a frivolous song saying what the world needs now is love, it's the only thing there's just too little of. I totally believe this that I'm about to say to be more relevant and true probably than ever before, maybe. The world needs to see and experience more than ever the love of Christ through the church, through the body of Christ. And not only that, to see the miraculous and the supernatural manifest, to see the reality of the kingdom of God. We have such a privilege because, you know, one of the things, when, when Jesus talked about, talks about bringing the kingdom of heaven to earth, he's really talking about translating God and his kingdom and his love into a way that people can see and experience. So, can I get an amen? amen. I'm loving, by the way, all the stuff that's happening during the, the worship time, the way the Holy Spirit is moving. I just love it. It's brilliant. Wonderful. So, what a beautiful piece of scripture. The Apostle Paul says, I kneel 
before God. Why does he kneel? He kneels because he's seeing the magnitude of the greatness, the, wonder, the wonderful nature of God. Uh, everything he says in Ephesians 1 to 3 where he talks about there is no Jew, there is no Gentile, we are one in Christ, there is no separation. And he looks at that and he says, God, you're so unbelievably magnificent. All I can do is kneel in humility, in worship, with a heart attitude in response to your mercy and your kindness. When God, ever had, ever had those times when something happens and God just blows you away? He just does something so unexpected, so full of mercy, so full of kindness, so full of generosity, and the only response if you're anything like me, anyway, I just get on my knees and hold my hands out and say, God, you're just so amazing. So amazing. I pray that from his glorious riches. What glorious riches is he talking about? This is the reality. Whether we see it, whether we believe it or not, this is reality. All the riches, all the abundance, all the fullness of heaven above are at our disposal because of what Jesus Christ has done for us, that he's connected us to God. When he, says, when he tells us to pray, your kingdom come, like he does in the, in the Lord's Prayer, you know, what would it look like, church, if all the glorious riches of heaven were manifest in the church on earth right now? What would it look like? And, you know, and just because we don't necessarily see it doesn't mean that they're not there or not available. Um, Greek word for faith means really, it really means to trust. But actually I found a good definition of it when I was doing my study this week. And the definition I found said this. It said that faith, which is a gift from God, faith is God's gift of divine persuasion. The world says we believe because we see, but the church and faith says I see because I believe. The reality is whether we believe it or see it, this is reality. All the abundance and the glorious riches of heaven are at our disposal right here, right now. All it takes is faith to connect. He prays that we would be strengthened with power through his spirit in our inner being. The internal, the inner being, the heart. The, that when we have an encounter, when we engage with the Holy Spirit of God, that it can only bring inner transformation. It has to affect and transform our hearts from the inside out. That our inner being, our hearts, that the Holy Spirit is given to us to do the stuff that we can't do in our own strength. That the Holy Spirit makes us more like Christ, that Holy Spirit brings the process of sanctification as he cuts away the flesh or the carnal nature. The power of the Spirit is the one that is able to accomplish miracles and the miracle of inner transformation in our hearts so that we become more Christ-like. We have heavenly resources to meet our earthly needs. If you study a little Greek, 
And if I was a 70s comedian, that's a big cue for a joke, but I won't go there. If you study a little Greek, the word for power is dunamis. It's where we get our word dynamite from, and it means the miraculous, explosive, supernatural power. How are we strengthened in our inner being? Through the power of the Holy Spirit, the explosive, supernatural power that brings internal transformation. Paul prays that you would be strengthened with power in, his, in, 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 your, in the Spirit, by your, in, in your inner being, so that, what's the purpose of being strengthened? So that Christ may dwell in our hearts, on the inside. That word dwell means that he may literally inhabit or take up residence or live. And it's like, you know, the, the blueprint and the, the shadow in the Old Testament was in Exodus, the context is God calls his people out of bondage and slavery. He gives them two things in the wilderness. He gives them the, the law or the Torah, which is uh, his instruction on how to live godly lives and to, and to behave like the people of God. And the second thing he does is he says, I want to dwell with you. I want to live with you. In order for me to live with you, I need you to build a tabernacle. I'll show you the pattern when you come up the mountain, Moses, and I want you to build it specifically like this, so that I can live with you. And when the people of Israel built it according to the pattern and according to the instructions, the glory of God filled the temple. The glory cloud came. The priests couldn't minister because the glory, the weight, was so thick and heavy. They just couldn't minister. The same thing happened with Solomon's temple. And of course, that was a blueprint, that was a shadow, that was a type of something that was fulfilled and consummated in Christ and his work on the cross. As it says in John 1, the word, Jesus, became flesh and made his dwelling or tabernacle amongst his people. So now, on the other side of the cross, we don't see his presence in a tabernacle constructed by man, but living within us, within our hearts, inside of us, because we are the temple of God. We are the sanctuary of God. Like it says in 1 Corinthians 3 and 2 Corinthians 6, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells within you and I. Amen? Same spirit. It's still there. Jesus is a permanent resident in our hearts. He abides, he tabernacles within us. I love what James said recently in one of his sermons. Uh, he was talking about God as our Father. And he said that Christianity is a religion of the heart, not so much the head. And I really like that. I think that's great. That we may be rooted and established in love. What does that mean? It means that we may be rooted, that our roots may go down deep like a tree draws all its strength and nurturing goodness from the roots. That we may be established, that we may have a, we may have a strong foundation and an anchor, which is Christ Jesus, our other cornerstone. That we may be thoroughly grounded, rooted and stable so that when the storm comes, as it inevitably will, what happens is the resting place of his love has become the source and the root of our lives. 
and it gives us a secure foundation that's continually growing. It means that love is the invisible inner source, just like the root system of a tree or the foundation of a building, which exists, but you can't see it in the natural. It's underground. The, inner, the invisible inner source of love is our root. And what does that love look like? How does it manifest itself? Like it says in 1 Corinthians 13, love is patient, kind, doesn't keep any record of wrong, not self-seeking, not arrogant, and you know, all the rest of it. And Jesus said, when he was, you know, when he was asked about fundamental things of the Jewish faith, he said this, which is, I find astonishing that there are so many books in the Old Testament, and he summed it up like this. And he said, all the law and the prophets are fulfilled or completed or brought to oneness or consummated in this. Two things. One, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And the second one is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself in that order. Love God, love your neighbor. Why? Because if our input if we drink deep from the well of salvation, from the deep well of the Holy Spirit, from the deep well of the love of Christ, and we are filled with that and walking in that daily, I tell you what, it becomes a lot easier to love your neighbor. Anybody else found that over various decades? <laughs> it becomes a lot easier if we are filled with the love of Christ to love your neighbor. And I'll come back to that. Paul prays that we would have the power to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to really know in the most intimate, experiential way. This love that surpasses all knowledge. James said at the end of the meeting earlier, how crazy is that, that we're supposed to know something that surpasses all knowledge? It's like you know, going up a mountain and never being able to get to the top. And yet... Paul says, I want you to grasp it. And that word grasp is a strong word. It means I want you to comprehend it. I want you to perceive it, not just in the natural, but in the supernatural with your spirit as well as with the natural. Grab hold of it, seize it, take possession of it, make it your own. Make the love of Christ your own so that we can victoriously cross the finishing line as we run this faith with great endurance. That we would fully grasp and possess, not only grab hold of it, but to keep it within the reality of the indwelling Christ. All these wonderful dimensions of what it looks like. How wide, how long, how high, how deep. This love without measure that is never ending. It's like it says in Psalm 103, it says that as far as the east is from the west, that's how far he's turned our sins away from us. Try to measure the east from the west, simply can't do it, just keep going around in a never ending circle. That's how immeasurably vast is the love of Christ. And he talks about knowing it and that this knowledge that to know it that, that, that surpasses all knowledge. And it's like, you know, how many, how many parents do we have in the room today? Quite, quite a few, I would think. 
Let me ask you a question, and this is the same as God with his love, the love of the Father with us. So I've got two daughters aged 31 and 29, which is like crazy because they've grown up and, you know, I'm really old and everything. But when they were little kids, I didn't say to them, okay, girls, I love you like as, as a father. Here's a book about how much I love you and I want you to study it and get a qualification. Of course not. You know, I want them to come and give them big hugs and everything so that they feel secure and they love, they feel that love. It's the same with God, you know. It, he doesn't want us to just have a theoretical, academic knowledge or understanding of his love. He actually wants us to feel it, experience it in the most deepest experiential way. It surpasses knowledge. It penetrates the heart. It goes internally. That we might become a deeply and intimately acquainted with the love of Christ on the deepest possible level, far beyond academic and intellectual understanding alone. As it says in Romans 5, chapter, uh, verse 5, God has poured out his love into our hearts, not into our intellect, into our hearts, by his Holy Spirit. That we may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. That's the position we're in. The minute we, we come to Christ, we are already filled with all his fullness, but the outworking of it is a process. And that process, hopefully, produces a heart posture, an attitude. So the position is, we already are filled with all his fullness, but the, the reality is, it's an ongoing process. And this outworks through the ongoing process of sanctification as we yield to the work of the Holy Spirit within us. Here's a question sometimes I ask myself, and I say, I look in the mirror and go, Chris, it is you, isn't it? Yeah. And I say, how's your love measure? And I remember when I, I was 18, I worked briefly in a bar called Cherry's Wine Bar in Bromley. And we used to have to pour the drinks, pour a pint, pour out the spirits and everything like that. And you know, you would fill it up and it would be filled to the measure and then it would all spill out and overflow everywhere else. And that is what this looks like. It's like being completely filled, refilled, overflowing, spilling out and just pouring out. I, let me give you an example. Uh, I was in the church office a couple of weeks ago and Peter Nodding was there, one of your previous ministers who I knew of but never had the privilege, privilege of getting to know. And we had a little conversation and I thought, wow, it's obvious to me that this man is filled with love and filled with the Holy Spirit. Do you know why? It was just spilling out of him and I could sense it and I could see it. It was wonderful and I thought, wow, I'd like to be like that. So, and because of all these things, being filled to the measure of all the fullness of God, we should remember that God is able and willing to do immeasurably, way beyond, super infinitely, way, way, way beyond whatever we can ask or imagine or dream or pray about or think about. 
he is able to do immeasurably more. One of the things that God's challenged me on over the last probably five years, I would say, is to say, why do you have a tendency to settle for things that are not the immeasurably more? Why don't you dream some really crazy, big, ridiculous dreams and see what I can do? And here's a crazy, ridiculous dream that God is doing. Here's, you know, the fact that in a couple of years' time, or wherever it may be, two, three years, four, five years, whatever, that this wonderful church that will be known as a house of the presence of God, that will be known as a house of the presence of the Lord where it abides, will open up on a Sunday in this wonderful new building surrounded by a congregation of unsaved people on our very doorstep. That's crazy, but wonderful. What is he going to do? You know, and it's going to be through you and I. So let's dream big, big dreams. You know, I said earlier on that when we are filled with the love of God, when we love him first, it's easier to love your neighbor. Here, here's some of the things that that looks like. Being filled with the love of God, being filled to the measure and overflowing with the love of Christ means that certain things, I think, get a lot easier. It's easier to forgive. It's easier to honor others. It's easier to prefer others. It's easier to let go. It's easier to forgive. It's easier to not get insecure when other people, you know, do stuff that's good. And if there's something else I've really, really learned as well uh, over... 30 odd years of being in ministry. If you're a minister, it really boils down to this. If you're filled with the Holy Spirit and filled with the love of God and your family love church, that's great news because everything else falls into place. If you're worn out, burnt out, weary, exhausted, no time for the scripture, no time for God, and your family is resentful, that's bad news for the church. So really, it boils down to, if we are walking daily in, Father, would you just fill me afresh with your Holy Spirit? Would you just fill me with the love of Christ afresh? Then that's what we minister out of. But if we minister out of empty and running on fumes, then, you know, that's not really as good as it could be. So I think that what God wants to do this morning is to offer us a a beautiful love gift because it's really easy to forget the basic stuff like walk in love, pursue the presence and you know, things like that. It's really, really easy to do that. And I would like to make this wonderful piece of scripture a personal prayer that I would love to pray over us and bless us with as Ben and the band come up, which is a very subtle little thingy. <laughs> So would you like to stand? And I would encourage you, if this resonates with you, first of all, to you might want to hold your hands out. I I always love to do this because it just shows worship, surrender. It says, God, I'm just coming to you that you might fill my empty hands. And then we'll have some, uh, we'll have plenty of time for worship, I think. Yeah, we've got loads of time. And... um, if anybody specifically would like to have some prayer, then I guess come to the front and uh, at some point grab me or Karen or Tim or any of the other ministers. We'd love to pray for you. So let me pray this over us.
And let's just feel the weight and the authority of the scripture, but also the intimacy of a father that loves us. Father, I thank you, looking out at your beautiful saints this morning, I thank you that out of your glorious riches, you have strengthened us with power through your spirit in our inner being. Thank you that Christ dwells in our hearts through faith. Thank you that we are rooted and established in love. Thank you that we have the power, together with all the Lord's holy people, that we can grasp and we know how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. Thank you, Father, that we know this love that surpasses knowledge. Thank you that we are filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. So would you come and make that manifest and reality in our hearts and spirits this morning? In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys.